Okay, I'm going to nail it. Hey, this is the Flophouse Mini, a mini episode of the popular hit podcast, The Flophouse. Now, normally on The Flophouse, we review a bad movie that we have recently watched, but tonight we're doing a mini where we're going to do whatever we want. And for tonight, I am uh, your host, Stuart Wellington, and joining me are my other hosts, uh, Dan McCoy. I'm Elliot Kalen. And we have a special guest tonight. That's right. We are joined by Scott Meslow. Uh, he is an author. Uh, he is my friend. He has a hot new book coming out titled From Hollywood with Love, The Rise and Fall and Rise Again of the Romantic Comedy. And it's coming out soon. Hooray. Uh, Scott, yeah. thanks of course for joining you us. Created Meslow's hierarchy of needs. Dan, I'm so mad oh. you got to a Meslow's hierarchy of needs joke before I did. I was, I've, I've had that in my chamber the whole intro. That oh, is the sorry. first time I've ever gotten that. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's crazy, right? <laughs> now I, now the only thing I can do is make a joke about Mesro, the character from the Nexus comic books, which is not going to be as interesting for anybody. Now that oh, is the okay. first time I've ever gotten that. Okay. Uh -huh, yeah. Okay. So actually, today's episode is going to be Elliot explaining who Mesro is while we uh, <laughs> check our phones the whole time. <laughs> uh, no, Scott. So uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, what are we going to be talking about today? Oh, I have such an exciting topic for us. We we are going to dive into the Netflix Christmas rom com cinematic universe. What mm, the okay. most underappreciated cinematic universe of all? Uh, the NFRCCU. <laughs> I feel like uh, like uh, Hallmark movies and Netflix rom coms are probably covered exhaustively on a number of other great podcasts, but I think tonight we're going to add our own little spin on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to finally crack it. Now, uh -huh. for the listeners at home, you couldn't see uh, Stewart's puckish eyebrow bounce <laughs> when he when he said we'd putting our spin but, on it. <laughs> by the way, Stu, you uh, Stu lately has been calling. His shots um, right before uh, introducing the podcast. Whenever it's his turn, like Babe Ruth, you know, pointing to the stands, he's he's like, "I'm going to nail it," and I got to give it to him. You kind of nailed it this time, Stuart. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, uh, that is the kind of support that I never got from my dad. So thank you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're unnailing it. That nail is being pulled out. By the oh no! no, no. Put it back in. Put it back in. <laughs> oh no. Uh, okay, so let's talk about this Netflix. Uh, so I've I think I've seen a couple, but what movies make up the Netflix Christmas cinematic rom com universe? Well, how many hours do we have? Uh, I think the important base here is we are. That's on the, the wonder. Christmas. It's it's. It's a mini episode, so we only have two to three hours. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring it down a little bit. I was planning on four. Uh, the, we have the Christmas Prince trilogy and the Princess Switch trilogy, and everything sort of revolves around these two very important <laughs> universes that periodically collide. Okay, so there's, uh, there's magic yeah. involved. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> there is a character who is clearly implied to be Santa Claus, although they've never confirmed it. Okay. Are they worried about getting sued by the owners of the Santa copyright? Like, yeah. this is a... Like a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen type type thing where well, they I can think only Santa hint Claus, at it. The movie has had that locked down for a few decades, so mm -hmm. oh, they, they kind right. of dance around. Recently it. covered on our on the main feed of our podcast. Now ah. I haven't seen mm -hmm. any of the Christmas Prince movies or what is it? The Christmas Witch? What's it called? <laughs> the Princess Switch. You were so close. The Princess. Uh, oh, the Princess Switch. Switch. I kept thinking uh -huh. you were saying Princess mm. Witch, and I'm like, that's. I sounds thought you were saying Princess. Awesome. I also they said Princess and also, Witch, and I thought that sounded great. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas Wish and Princess Switch have a lot of uh, what is it? Uh, 
You know, when they've got like a similar consonant sound in the middle, I forget all my English uh, uh, vocabulary. These are all great pitches. I'm sure Netflix is listening. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have, a, I have a question. So what separates, what makes the Netflix Christmas rom-com universe different than the Hallmark rom-com Christmas universe? Well, it starts with how incredibly interconnected they are. And unless I've missed something in the dozens of rom-com uh, movies on Hallmark that my wife and I watched this year, uh, I have never seen the level of crossover. So mm. we, <laughs> I we do really, see a lot of the same actors, but I don't think they're playing the same characters. No, and that's that's the trick. Uh, Netflix yeah. has really hit on hit on the solution here. And we do need to start at the beginning. So okay. let me give okay. you a brief summary of A Christmas <laughs> Prince, uh, which I'm going to level with you guys. Probably the most boring of these movies. Okay. Uh, but if you <laughs> were gonna, making— I mean, to be honest, the title of Christmas Prince does not make me—it's it, not like I hear <laughs> that and I'm like, excitement. Yeah, that is, uh, <laughs> that's I, not uh, a name that a launches Christmas a thousand ships. I got to see this. And <laughs> I have to admit, I have been excited by the titles M and Z. So, for, which are only one letter each. So, to have a Christmas Prince, it's like, well, not be interesting. It says there's nothing. so many options about what that movie could be about. Anything starting with an M or a Z in yeah. each respective case. You well, don't the movie, know. That's the movie part of M, the mystery. Fritz Lang's M is, of course, about monkeys, and uh, Costa Gravis's movie Z is, of course, about zebras. So, they're part of the Animal Kingdom cinematic universe. <laughs> we can always pivot to that. But okay, Christmas Prince. What's this movie about? Who's well, this Christmas Prince? Why is everyone talking about him? For starters, the title is very accurate um but i would say this movie is more like like if you were making a really good sandwich and you you need to start with the bread just this boring crusty but solid base that everything else that gets crazy can build on all of your meats and cheeses they're coming later mm -hmm. so this is a movie about the country of aldovia you may or may not have heard of it <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm uh, guessing that the situation in which you may have heard of it is if you've seen this movie <laughs> or in a sequel you could have started with the second okay. one i don't know you mm -hmm. um but they, this is a country that it's vaguely Western European. It, uh, its main export seems to be Christmas. They're big mm -hmm. on jelly meat. Mm -hmm. uh, Did Ultron kill everybody in this place? <laughs> That's for part four. It's all okay. coming, I'm sure. Don't no, worry. I mean, really, the Avengers bear a lot of the responsibility for the, the, yeah. that as well. Uh, I mean, that's like saying the Democrats are responsible for voting rights not passing. It's, it's, it wouldn't have happened without Ultron, you know. <laughs> don't, don't blame Who the people. Ultron don't. in the MCU, not in the comics. Thank you. Well, I mean, it's still an Avenger that did it in the comics, too, but the uh, just a different one who has yet to appear in the MCU because he is, uh, uh, you know, um, problematic. Who, I guess Hercules? He's a little, no, uh, I guess Hank Pym's Wonder Man? Aunt, right? That, that's who, uh, that's who, uh, that's who Michael Douglas plays, right? Yeah, he plays Hank, Hank Pym. Pym. Yeah. I Although just what's really his. weird is when they do flashbacks where he's like a young Michael Douglas, but his face doesn't look like young Michael Douglas's face. They like because he had you know he had plastic <laughs> surgery to remove his jowls. So in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, young Michael Douglas doesn't have jowls, and I'm like, what the fuck? That was part of his charm. <laughs> yeah, this, that's why they used to call him Michael Jowls. But now, he yeah. goes, now they call him Michael Jowless. <laughs> but, uh, well, anyway, we've drifted from ro romantic comedies. I, I want to know about this, about this Christmas prince, because for me, there's just one Christmas prince. His name is the Nutcracker, and he kills an, a rat that has like 10 heads. So is that the one in the movie? I mean, you'll be happy to hear that that is clearly playing year-round in Aldovia, the Christmas country. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, great. Mm -hmm. But our main character is not the Christmas Prince. It is Amber Moore, intrepid young journalist for Beat Now magazine. Uh, <laughs> and she has been sent to Aldovia from uh, the, the mean streets of New York City. beat something <laughs> and want it done promptly. <laughs> you know, people, beat people later? Who, no, thank you. People who want beats and they don't want to <laughs> wait for them. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, clearly you guys don't subscribe. It's great. You're going to love it. <laughs> a um, lot of borscht recipes and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so she's been sent to cover the succession crisis in Aldovia. Mm-hmm. Um, she decides she's going to embed as a as the nanny working for the prince's younger sister. This guy is sort of a like a like, theoretically he's supposed to be like a Prince Harry type, like kind of a cool bad boy prince. But the movie mm-hmm. doesn't actually want to make him unlikable or mean. So so he doesn't dress up like a Nazi at costume parties. No, uh, mm-hmm. deleted scene. I think uh, it's it's implied. <laughs> Save for the bloops. Uh, <laughs> he does wear a really gross fake beard to try to fool the press hounding him. Um, been there so this this journalist very unethically embeds as the tutor in the castle uh would you believe that they fall in love while she's reporting on him like based on the film my tutor i would say yes i believe that (laughs) (laughs) well yeah private private lessons (laughs) exactly (laughs) let me tell you it is hot gossip in aldovia so it's a real bummer in this Uh particular movie when the uh when it turns out that the prince has figured it all out, he casts her off from the kingdom. She goes back and writes a very kind of sad but beautiful story about how she's fallen in love with this prince and how he's secretly a great guy and no one understands him. Uh, you'll be shocked to hear her editors do not want to run this story. They consider it a puff piece. Rightly so. I, <laughs> There's just no news value. There, there are multiple <laughs> ethical problems here. I think, I think the unsung heroes of this particular movie are the editors of Beat Now Magazine. I mean, <laughs> keep in mind the New York Post ran an editorial today saying that dry January is selfish of people. <laughs> <laughs> Did, I mean, written that, by Stuart Wellington. Yeah, I can't necessarily say it's right, but I'm not saying it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so the important part to to wrap up the most boring of all of these movies is that the prince reads the story on her blog. He thinks it's great. He comes and proposes to her in New York. They go off to be king and queen of Aldovia. So he okay. killed his father. <laughs> yes. he He's technically the prince, I think, at this point. But don't worry. They, they write him out quickly. We need to keep rising up the ranks here. Okay, great. One year later, we have the princess switch. Now, this movie is mostly a Vanessa Hudgens delivery system. Mm-hmm. Okay. This VHDS, one I've seen. Yeah. This one I've mm-hmm. seen. Yep. In the first one, we get two Vanessa Hudgens. One of them is Stacy, who goes from Chicago to a different Western European country called Belgravia. Their chief export is also Christmas. <laughs> and <laughs> she's there for a baking competition and bumps into Lady Margaret Delacourt, who's the duchess of a neighboring kingdom called Montanaro. Okay. Also Western European, also Christmas. Okay, now they I'm starting Stuart, to get into it because I like all the right? names of magical <laughs> yeah, places. Yeah, this, this is this is uh, this is uh, uh, <laughs> these are they're all members of OKEC, the the uh, organization of Christmas exporting countries. Mm-hmm. The politics yeah. are incredibly complicated. I'm going to need to see a detailed explanation of the various heraldries of the different noble families. <laughs> uh, do I have a wiki K-Fons for you, Stuart? <laughs> <laughs> now, are these are these countries? Are they? Modern day nations, or are they like like Latveria, Doctor Doom's country? Yeah, so like even though it's the twenty first century, they're still all peasants. Or the Savage Land, where there's dinosaurs <laughs> running around. <laughs> well, they all seem to be relatively modern constitutional monarchies, except for one scene in the Princess Witch where she can send someone to a dungeon unilaterally, and we never hear from that character again. <laughs> oh yeah. no! If I if I would if I would uh, recall it correctly, they all this this the towns in this place look kind of like. Uh, what you would find in a snow globe. Yeah. Okay. That's that's so, kind of where they so are. So New York, tiny Statue of Liberty, you got it. Little Staten Island yeah, yeah, Ferry. Yeah, exactly. Sure. 
or what you would find if you were shooting in Romania in the cheapest castle you could find. <laughs> Hypothetically. <laughs> so this is a movie about a princess witch. The princess is switch. Mm. Okay. Now I under now I understand the premise of the prince and the pauper, where a prince mm-hmm. and a poor person switch and they get different lives. If two princesses switch, how much actually changes? Stacy isn't a princess that- yet. Oh, okay, okay. That's I, I hate in, to spoil the future installments of this franchise. But it's in her five year plan. But that's a little bit to get of a to princess teaser. level. Yeah, she yeah, is part of her, merely it's on a Chicago board. baker. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, you've seen this one. You want to take it away? Uh, well, like I said, like, <laughs> I like that. Whenever the princess, no, you got this. You're renowned for your great memory uh, for movie plots. I don't know, like you know, there's a bunch of Prince and, Prince and the Popper shenanigans, and they both fall in love with people on the other side of things. Uh-huh. You know, this is a great the, summary. You haven't the, got <laughs> the most the, important detail of this film, and the reason that we're talking about the Netflix Christmas rom-com cinematic universe. Because at one point, Lady Margaret sits down to watch a film on Netflix. And what film do you think that is? Wait, she pulls up Netflix in the middle of the movie? Uh-huh. That's crazy. Talking. That's like... And it's the one... W- the, other day, uh, the other day, I was talking to somebody about how, like, have you guys ever... Have you guys in, your, in a dream, have you ever looked at your phone? Have you ever looked at your phone in a dream? I had not up to the point of this conversation. Mm. And then the next day, I had a dream where I was looking at my phone the whole time. <laughs> I ha- I think I've said uh, many times on this podcast or once or twice, who knows, that my stress dreams tend to be me trying to do something very simple uh, and just being thwarted over and over again and like not being able to do it. Mm-hmm. And in a recent dream, it was like I had to text something to someone for an important reason and I could not get my fingers to put the right words into the <laughs> oh, texting. No. Oh, well, mine was mine was like I couldn't pull up my vaccine information to show somebody. <laughs> mm, wow. Topical dream. To- I know. Topical yeah. nightmare. So, I, so this the queen pulls up Netflix and I assume you're about to say is going to watch that movie where Charlize Theron is like a thousand-year-old assassin. <laughs> yeah, mm. nailed it. You're so the close. Yeah, the old She's guard. watching. Yeah, uh, Mouse Guard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A Christmas. <laughs> mouse Guard? <laughs> yeah, my Christmas struggle? Mouse. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, Christmas Mouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's, it's a very loose adaptation of my uh. struggle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what? So she pulls up, is so, she watching A Christmas Prince on TV? She is watching A Christmas Prince on TV. And does it like motivate her or is it just like an Easter egg? It's an Easter egg, but it's okay. an Easter egg that makes so much less sense. Or, a, or an a Easter egg. egg. <laughs> an Easter egg in a Christmas movie? Yeah, That's what I was going to say. Easter egg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all the holidays are covered here. Okay. So <laughs> Christmas, uh, how does how does the princess switch end? What's, what's the ending of the first Princess ends with one? the princesses each ending up with the other guy that the one knew. They So make- Stacy, our Chicago baker, becomes a princess marrying the prince <laughs> who is betrothed to the Lady Margaret who marries the other baker. So it's like the holiday, but with uh, princesses. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mar- mm-hmm. It's the simplest sense. slot in the world, and I could not have made that sound more complicated. Okay. They both end up with the <laughs> other guy. I, I mean, to be the- fair, Dan didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's true. Okay, what's the next that- link in this chain? <laughs> okay, so now, so now we've established a universe where the Christmas Prince is a movie that exists in the Princess Switch's yes. reality. We have established a premise that, spoiler alert, will soon be broken by later movies in this incredibly Mm. convoluted cinematic universe. Okay. Because now we're headed to The Night Before Christmas. This is a weird one. 
This not is the night- Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> my younger son's now second favorite movie used to be his favorite movie. Oh, and not what's first? A Visit from St. Nicholas, the poem by Clement Moore. No. Mm. And, and not Silent first- Night, Deadly Night. <laughs> <laughs> and not Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. <laughs> so, so for the record, my younger son's favorite movie is now Inside Out, of all things. Oh, okay. So, I thought you were going to say The Inside wow. Man. I'm like, that's a dope movie, kid. <laughs> it is a great movie. <laughs> he, yeah, he, he's like, Spike Lee really captures the feeling of post-9-11 New York, and yet it's still suspenseful. Not since the taking of Pelham 123 is a movie really captured the flavor of the city. And I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. My I friend got Ashley's it. in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so okay, this one's called what was it's, it again? The, the night, night before, before Christmas? Christmas, and you night did ask Christmas. the right question because that is night with a K. Because oh. this is a time traveling rom-com. Oh. Nice. Oh. So wait, it's a night. It's a night in BC period who, before yes, Christmas. Who arrives before <laughs> Christmas? <laughs> in, and we're not I talking about an imperial night, a uh, a Titan Walker from the Warhammer Forty Thousand universe. <laughs> oh no, we are. This is also Warhammer. You knew that. Right? I mean, but that's oh, long no. after like Christmas. <laughs> That's far in the future, isn't it? I mean, 40,000 years in the future. <laughs> I mean, they, they celebrate it very differently by that point. But, you know, the, the general idea had staying power. Are yeah, there so. any, Stuart, are there any Warhammer Christmas stories? I'm sure there are. I mean, I feel like as long as they somehow lead to people buying more Warhammer, it's part of the narrative. <laughs> <laughs> fair, yeah, fair point, fair point. So, okay, he's a knight. Is he going from the past to the present? Yeah, like a he's like from a Kate like the Leopold. Fourteenth century. He comes to modern day Ohio to romance a woman named Brooke, who is played by Vanessa Hudgens. Uh, okay, but not <laughs> the same. Not she's. This is not one of she, the characters. It is in last neither movie. of our previous Vanessa Hudgens. But given how many <laughs> doppelgangers of her are running around, it may be some distant <laughs> connection of some. So there's some kind of orphan black type scenario going on yeah. in the NFRCCU. Yeah. <laughs> I think and, of it as kind of like a being John Malkovich thing where just the more oh. we add, just everyone's going to have her face by like the 12th of these movies. Yeah, Aphex Twin. <laughs> the, so the uh, so he goes to Ohio because he wants what, like spaghetti with chili on top? <laughs> oh, my favorite. Yeah, put some cinnamon in there. Gross. Give it to David. <laughs> <laughs> Give it to David. He would love it. <laughs> Is there any real reason why he goes to Ohio or that's just part of the like the time hijinks? I'm going to be honest. I don't remember this one very well because it's very boring. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm. So but the movie with a time-traveling knight is the boring one. Uh-huh. Yeah. There, there aren't enough antics yet. We haven't gotten to the Ocean's Eleven one yet. Okay. okay. That, that's All the right. one to get excited yeah, then about. Let's hurry. Then let's that hurry because I've seen time-traveling knights, yeah. The Visitors with Jean Renault. Let's go. Something else. The, the real important detail here is that he mentions at some point or her, her sister mentions that their grandparents went to Aldovia, the country from a Christmas prince. Okay. So, Following the transitive property, if I'm following this correctly, that means both of these movies are a movie within the Princess Switch universe. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet, that brings us to the Princess Switch 2, switched again. Okay. <laughs> so just back in the original position. <laughs> back where they were yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, that's a spin yeah. of 360. <laughs> that's where it starts. But then How they can add, a woman who came from Chicago and is now a princess deal with being in Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> well, again. Again. They stay in Martinaro and Belgravia, but they do, in fact, add a third, Vanessa Hutchins, or a fourth if you count the one from A Night Before Christmas. Oh, okay, so it's just shifting one place mm-hmm. now. <laughs> now we have Fiona, a blonde Vanessa Hutchins, who's kind of like an evil socialite. She's great. You'd love her. I love this. Uh, so there's all kinds of shenanigans there, but the really important part of this is that when when it comes to the end and Lady Margaret is finally going to be crowned Queen of Montanaro, there's uh-huh. a big finally. coronation ceremony. 
And who would show up there but the Christmas Prince and Amber? Thereby breaking the rules previously established in this cinematic universe. So somebody like kid videoed them out of the Netflix and the TV. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They stay. John Ritter stay tuned them into the into the into the movie. Yeah. Well, here's here's my here's my fix for that. Here's my get my no prize ready, guys. Here's my explanation. Yeah, this is this is episode of Cinema Sins. Yeah, (laughs) much much like how in the Marvel comics. The char- there are Marvel comics that exist in that universe, and they are comic books being written about the real superheroes, but they're oh, fictional yeah. adventures. The Christmas Prince that she watches is a movie that exists in that universe lo- loosely based on the true story of the Christmas Prince who fell in love with a commoner. That's my explanation. And nope. I like that. I was just about to argue with you, and then I remembered this is a universe full of doppelgangers. So they found <laughs> actors yeah. mm-hmm. that looked just like the real Christmas <laughs> Prince and the real Amber. It does all make yeah. sense. Okay, I mean, you're filling in makeup, plot holes I mean, for me in real time. The makeup, the makeup that people can do now. I mean, we all saw Jared Leto in House of Gucci. He was, you know, it was, he was, he was, <laughs> was Paolo. He was no longer Jared Leto. Yeah, <laughs> he jumped right out of that Mario Brothers video game onto the screen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys, I, I saw a play recently. I mean, you know, safely uh, or safely as possible. But I saw a play Good recently. Say, dude. Starring- I was about to <laughs> roast your fucking ass. Yeah, you weren't just running up on stage and licking all the performers. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, the star was Samantha Mathis. And I was trying to explain to Audrey who she was. You know, and I started with your usual suspects. You, not the movie, the usual suspects. Yeah, she's suspects, not in the usual like, suspects. But, you know, like, <laughs> I was like, uh, you know, like, uh, pop up the volume. And she's like, nope, nope. And then I was like, because of Super Mario Brothers doing the Super Mario live show, she was like, oh, yeah, Samantha Mathis. <laughs> it's, if only when you went to a play, they gave you, like, a little book that told you what the <laughs> people in the play they're... were in. Uh-huh. Yeah. Something maybe it was written on, like, the mouth of a duck? No. <laughs> That no, no. But I see what you're saying. Maybe written on like a check you got at the end of a meal. Um, <laughs> oh, maybe a Clinton, not here. Hillary, though. <laughs> no, no, no. One of the other ones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I get the bit without really getting. What if it was? What if it was written on like a up on something that hadn't become a law yet? It was still being voted on by sure. Congress. Yeah, and then maybe they would sing a song Something about it on Saturday When you don't mornings. have enough, sp- yeah. you know, you don't have enough time for a William, but definitely not a Will. <laughs> it's like a play that's on like a, a Mister that would get crushed in a claymation <laughs> short on Saturday Night Live in like the sure, ninth, sure, early nineteen sure, eighties. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I'm John Moe. My show, Depression Mode, is all about mental health. And this week, I talk with Amanda Knox. She spent four years in an Italian prison for a murder she didn't commit. That's a lot of trauma, and she's okay talking about it. If I touch on something that you'd rather not get into, just say so, we'll cut the whole exchange out. But it also seems like you're pretty open, <laughs> open about a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am having trouble imagining anything that you could talk to me about <laughs> I that know, I... I know, What are we going to throw Amanda Knox with? <laughs> Depression Mode with John Moe, only on Maximum Fun. For over a decade, MaxFunCon has been an incredible weekend of learning, connecting, and laughing with folks in the MaxFun community. And, if all goes according to plan, the last regularly scheduled MaxFunCon will take place in Lake Arrowhead from June 3rd to June 5th, 2022. We have a very limited number of tickets remaining. To make them available to the maximum number of people, we'll be opening our waitlist for tickets on January 23rd at 5pm Pacific. That'll be your chance to be first in line to purchase tickets, and we'll go down the waitlist until we're at capacity. More details at maxfuncon.com. 
and mark your calendars for Sunday, January 23rd at 5 p.m. Pacific. Hello, everyone. Uh, along with listeners like you who uh, give money to Maximum Fun to support the shows that you love, this podcast is also sponsored by Storyblocks. Storyblocks makes it possible for creators to keep up with the growing demands for modern video content so you can bring all your stories to life and stop sacrificing your vision due to time, budget, or resources. Storyblocks Unlimited all-access plan gives you unlimited downloads of the over 1 million-plus assets in their library. You can try out multiple options quickly and find the perfect fit so you can create more and spend less. Restock is their commitment to increase representation in stock media by hiring creators from marginalized communities to create content that is more reflective of the diverse world we live in. Stay on budget while telling the best version of your story with the most affordable subscription plans and tools on the market that scale to meet your needs. Um, I used Storyblocks recently to uh, Elliot when we were out there for his 40th birthday uh, played this song for us that he said was his night driving music, and I was uh, taken by it. And I thought, yeah, this sounds like sort of uh, the beginning to an old sort of um, exploitation Japanese movie from the 70s. It was, a, it was this Japanese woman si singer, Yoshi Yoshiko Sai, who was great. And I was like, this, this is really sparking something in me for fun. Uh, on my own time, the only time I have access to, for fun, I just use Storyblocks to uh, assemble a uh, music video for that song uh, that was kind of like the credits to an old movie. And, you know, I realize I sound like a nerd, but I also am a nerd who has fun, his own kind of fun. And uh, you can too. With Storyblocks. Is that a good endorsement? I don't know, but I had fun making the video. Anyway, you can explore their library and subscribe today at storyblocks.com slash flop. That's storyblocks.com slash flop. Back to the show. Okay, cool. So what's the next movie in this uh, this series? <laughs> We are we're really on this freight train now because now we are at the Princess Switch Three, Romancing the Star. <laughs> oh wow! So it's a uh, subtitle that is a play off of the title of another movie. <laughs> yep, uh, and a subtitle that barely makes sense within the context of the movie because there's a papal star that is stolen, and this is the one that turns into the Ocean's Eleven heist movie. Okay, mm -hmm. what's a papal mm -hmm. star? Okay, now I'm in. Uh, it's a star from the Pope. Oh, okay, that makes and like and if they don't star get from the sky, Christmas, like you can buy it off the yeah. internet, and that's named after <laughs> you. Or uh, yeah, I've got yeah, another the question. Like, and that one's for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, thanks, Jared Leto. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Holy Father, can I have a star? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, uh, that one. Oh, thank you. I guess. <laughs> How do what, I prove to anyone what, that I own that what's star its name? now? I don't know. They're uh, <laughs> AR-12. Uh, they're all got the no, like that, a right? No, Forget about it. What's the matter yeah. for you? <laughs> the current pope, of course, uh, I think it's for Argentina. Not, he does not have an Italian accent. He's of Italian descent, but I don't think he talks like that. The, 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 the comedy character of the pope, of you, course, is, I mean, you is, pick it up. It's, it's like, always Italian. It's like when you do a semester abroad in England and all of a sudden you have this cool I accent see. that all everybody loves. We're, we're probably thinking yeah. of the previous pope's accent, oh, who was German, of course, or perhaps the pope yeah. before that who was Polish. <laughs> 
So <laughs> the comedy uh, Pope so, Elliot, the comedy one. So there's comedy a papal Pope. star. Do they have to like? Is there a like putting a team together sequence where they have to get oh. people from all over the Netflix universe? That it's clearly what they're building towards, and we do in fact meet Count Simon, a character from the Christmas Prince movies, who I haven't mentioned because he is so boring. Mm-hmm. But, but he does not briefly join enough. the team at a party while they're drinking candy cane martinis. Candy cane martinis. Candy cane martinis. Stuart, oh, how man. would you make that? Uh, well, I would. Uh, I don't know. Pour some vodka in a glass, and then put a candy cane in it, and charge uh, twenty dollars. <laughs> Oh. All right, I'm in. Sounds good. Yeah, I apologize. If, yeah. if anyone heard the sounds in the background there, there was an iPad that was turned on over here. And lately my iPad has started listening to us and announcing things. Uh-huh. And so oh. Siri thought that I was asking for candy cane martinis and was, <laughs> and was announcing the results. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's like uh, when Homer goes into the Quickie Mart and asks for Skittlebrow or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want Siri to respond being like, <laughs> like a martini is it a martini just because it is served in a martini glass, Elliot? And it gets really snotty with you about it. <laughs> as much as only champagne from the champagne region can be called champagne, there are rules to make a martini. And it's like, Siri, I don't know. I didn't even want to talk to you. Like, this is not, please. <laughs> yeah, 17 minutes later. Yeah, so what? The, how's the heist? Is it exciting? Is there a, oh, is there yeah. a Danny Ocean type figure? What's going on? It's a pretty great one. They do a they do a complete ripoff of uh, Catherine Zeta Jones jumping through the lasers. I was going to ask about that. It mm-hmm. feels like they kind of have to do this that. But is, it's the person is in a Santa Claus costume. Well, it's the evil blonde Vanessa Hudgens. So she she's now redeemed within the context of this universe. It's very exciting. How so many, the wait, evil how many characters Vanessa redeemed Hudgens by are on off the a team? Heist. <laughs> <laughs> all three of them. They're all. They, they all do a princess. Switch. Oh, okay. sure. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's yeah. the it's the Hudge Avengers or the League now, of Extraordinary Hudgens. Yeah, they're all there. Does the heist take advantage of the fact that they're all doppelgangers? Oh, or sure. is that ignored? And okay, good, good, good. Yeah, good. two of them do. The other one, uh, one of the Vanessa Hudgens has to go to the nunnery where the evil blonde Vanessa Hudgens is doing her community service and pretend to be her to get her <laughs> parole bid successfully. Uh, might I add. I like this. Yeah, this is exciting. So I hate to spoil all these movies for you. No, it's fine. No, so no. where does uh, where do, where does this leave us? Where does in in this universe? Where what's the next step? Well, the most disappointing thing is that they keep teasing the idea of the uh, Vanessa Hudgens' mother coming in, and I was so convinced it was going to be Vanessa Hudgens in old age makeup <laughs> as a way to sneak <laughs> another one in. <laughs> That'd be so funny. It would have been so great. It was one more, like the perfect crime. Get one more Vanessa Hudgens in here. Who's stopping mm-hmm. you? I mean, uh, they I'm, tried. They tried, and the film exploded. They just <laughs> yeah, they, it, was it was too, too much good. Hudgens. Yeah. As a as a performer, imagine having that opportunity though. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I was just watching a bit of uh, the film Chaplin, which I've never seen before. Don't ask me why. Why it was a whimsical choice on my part, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, makeup as old Chaplin just looks like they dropped him into like a bag of flour and fished him back out. <laughs> love it. <laughs> it is such bizarre old age makeup. I love this. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Is it like well, when is, Guy Pierce exactly played what a should have done? Was it like when Guy Pierce played a super old man through most of Prometheus and you're like, why did you get Guy Pierce? You could have gotten a normal actor. And then I realized. Just get an old man. It's perfect this way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's better. I mean, if you like old people to look like wax figures that are maybe I mean, slowly I hope melting you like even. it because that's how it happens, Dan. I mean, yeah. Well, <laughs> there's a particular lifelessness to the makeup in this movie. I guess that's perfect. true. Very rarely do old people look like porcelain dolls, I guess is what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, so what's the next step? What's, uh, after a heist, it doesn't sound like there's anywhere to go. Everyone falls in love. 
they get the star back. It's very exciting. Okay. Um, what is this? So it's like a it's like a jeweled star. Yeah, or like it's like a, a bejeweled star, and it represents peace. And if they don't get it back before Christmas, then I think they go to war. These movies always imply <laughs> that some horrible like global conflict is about to break yeah. out. Which well, is where orcs I think are coming. This is going. Yeah. Now that I think is very funny. If they're like, if this prince doesn't fall doesn't fall in love with this princess and get married, then the Holocaust will happen. And it's like <laughs> this is these stakes are too high. They're too, too, high. They're too high yeah. for this movie. Yeah. yeah. There is a treaty like that in one of the Christmas Prince movies where they've they've been signing it for like 600 years and you have to sign it again every century or you just have to go back to war. And it's like, why why don't they just say no? We're not going to start fighting again. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, yeah, it's like this debt ceiling yeah. thing. <laughs> Do we really have to keep doing this all the time or can we just make kind of a general proclamation that it's cool? <laughs> and, and if we hit it, do we just like, can we just ignore it? Since it's, yeah, not, a yeah. real, it's not a real ceiling. It's right. just a thing that we made up, but... Uh, okay, so so that's the end of the movies, right? No more movies. There is one more, and oh. it is it is the last and most exciting one, and the one that I find most baffling. It's called Christmas the Prince Endgame. That's oh, where this is Christmas. going. Yeah. So guys, I've actually uh, I actually for watched the Castle for Christmas. Oh, uh, <laughs> for Leibowitz, oh, really? you said, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that kind of is the plot of a Canticle for Leibowitz in a way. Yeah. <laughs> but so, you, so uh, Stuart, take it you away, watched buddy. this one. I, I watched this one not knowing the storied legacy that it was uh, completing. Oh. Uh, it features Carrie Elwes and uh, prominently. Okay. Always fun. Wow, Bobby Wobbly himself. With a very thick <laughs> accent. And uh, wait, who's the, is, who's the lead? Brooke Shields. Uh, Vanessa Hudgens. Brooke Shields. It's Brooke Shields, oh. guys. It's Brooke Shields. Who plays. Oh, Shields and Yarnell? Brooke Shields, who plays a famous author. Who has who uh, suddenly become Susan? Who suddenly became Susan, <laughs> and suddenly. she is—it's yeah, like, like Teen Wolf, but she's becoming Susan, and her dad is knocking on the door, going, "Brooke, Brooke, could you? What's going on in there? Oh, nothing." Dad. Opens the door, and, like, and her dad's Susan, a Susan dad. too. Yeah. yeah, she opens. Yeah, her dad's a Susan too, and he's like, "We've all been Susans. I didn't want to have to tell you this. I was hoping it would skip your generation." Mm. So and uh, she, she does. A, she has a dance called the Susan at the prom. Yeah, she is like a world famous author, and she, but she is. Getting Getting some shit from the fans because she wrote the fun, uh, like the latest book in her series, and she killed off this like hunky love interest that everybody loves. And she's oh, like, "I can do so whatever I want," happens. and all the fans are like, "You can't. He's ours." And it's this kind of really interesting take on like ownership and author's intent. So it's like a rom com loosely based on the real story of Arthur Conan Doyle trying to kill off Sherlock Holmes. Very similar. And so the only thing she can do is go buy a castle in Scotland, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott, you're the expert on Scotland as well, as well as uh, other things. Of course. So, Named after me. So, so <laughs> she goes to Scotland to try and get some peace, uh, and everybody's super cool there, and they're nice. And she's nice because she gives them money, so they like her a lot. Uh, but Carrie Elwes does not like her, uh, although they mm. have a little bit of chemistry right away. Uh, and she just thinks he's a regular-ass dude. Not so much. He owns that <laughs> castle. That's his thing, but he's like, Broke as a joke, so he has to give uh, – he's, like, giving tours of his home, and he's being a real dick to her. And she's, like, kind of a dick to him, but not that bad. Uh, and then she ends up buying the castle and keeping him on to give the tours, and they fall in love. Am I missing anything? You've summarized the plot very succinctly, but you did inevitably miss the most important part, okay. which is a completely pointless throwaway scene at the hotel where Brooke Shields is staying when two characters come in, clearly having a torrid love affair, and it is two minor characters from the Princess Witch movie. Oh, They are not related whoa. to the plot. They have no connection sort of to anything Rosen happening. Sort of a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern mm-hmm. of the, the universe. 
also revealing that Scotland and Aldovia and Belgravia and Montanaro are all real places within the same small block of England. Wait, oh, so those are, wait a minute. So they're like independent principalities in on Britain somehow? They, they're close enough that they can sneak away from the castle where they have these royal duties. What? Or I mean, maybe, the, maybe it's a g- longer vacation. Maybe uh, during the heist they were able to sneak away, no? <laughs> May, or maybe there's a commuter flight from uh, Moldavia, what is it called? Uh, Montanaro, Belgravia, or Aldovia. Yeah, Mont- I mean, when Aldo- I was... <laughs> maybe the commuter flights from Aldovia to, to Edinburgh. Yeah, when happen. I was doing <laughs> a semester in Vienna, I just, like, was able to hop on a plane and fly to England for a weekend. It was great. I just, I love that this is a movie that revealed two characters were having an affair that you would not know about if you watched any of the three movies in the actual <laughs> franchise. <laughs> you have to watch a seemingly unrelated well, movie. And if you're like Stuart and only watching that, you mm-hmm. have no idea what these characters are doing here and probably don't notice them at all. So it is a yeah, little bit the, like the scene in the in the was it the second Avengers movie where Thor just goes into that cave for some reason and has a vision yeah. and you're like, well, that doesn't that, that's you're just setting up future <laughs> movies like this has nothing to do with any of the others. Like, it, what are you what are you thinking? And it kind of barely sets up future movies. Yeah, it really didn't make any sense. So this they're <laughs> setting up the future movie, A Christmas Infidelity, I imagine. <laughs> that that's the hope. I mean, at the very least, we've got to be heading towards a Christmas princess, which. Civil War. Well, well they're, they're setting it up. They're setting it up for the adults-only rom-com princess swap, which is about one night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when, the Brazzers when, uh, the, version again. K n i g h t. It's a not yeah k n i g h t night, medieval night. Who who has a has a princess swap one night uh, in order to make sure that war is averted between two two sex-based <laughs> kingdoms. <laughs> so we've I mean, we've had a lot we've had a lot of fun at the expense of these. But Scott, you have been uh, I'm sure been watching a ton of rom-coms for your book. How do these rom-coms fall within your, uh, within your, I guess, the thing, the compared to the other ones you've been watching? The Pantheon? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I should say, first and foremost, I completely love these movies. I do not ironically love these movies. I think they are so fun and good. I also, the last chapter in my book, it's, a, it's about modern rom-coms, so it starts with When Harry Met Sally and goes up to Netflix. And okay. I started mm. writing about these in the Netflix chapter. And it was one of those things where I like went into a fugue state that afternoon. And three hours later, I realized I had just written pages of connections between these Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. And I realized, like, <laughs> I will go mad. This book yeah. will be so much longer than it needs to be. I, I need to stop. So I turned it into a little sidebar, which is, you know, why I was yeah, happy yeah. to come on this podcast and spill this out of my brain. Uh, yeah, your book you. turns yeah, into, so like, like, House of Leaves about halfway through. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't want you. To, I don't want you, your family to find you with just, like, having smeared a map of Belgravia in your own feces on the wall. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you're saying, it's all there. There, it was I, inside me. It's all there. I have so much sympathy for this because, like, occasionally I'll write like little pop culture essays, and I find that if I don't pay attention, like all of the dumb connections that don't actually mean anything, like flow out of my brain, and I'm like, uh, I have digression after digression with like a parenthetical in the middle, and then I have to cut it all because I realize no one cares. I mean, it, it makes sense because normally your only other outlet for talking about pop culture is this podcast, which we keep super tight and we don't allow any mm-hmm. kind of digression. <laughs> no, not at all. It's got to be on point. So I, I'm curious, what is your so the so yeah, where would you compare? What's a, what are rom coms that you think are like the the classic like best modern rom coms or the ones that you think are really exemplars of the form? And how do the Netflix movies match up to those? Like, what's a rom-com where you would, if people are like, show me a rom-com, what's one that'll show me show me what this genre can do? What would you point them to? You mean like a modern one? Yeah, yeah, a modern uh, one. I really loved the uh, all three of the To All the Boys I've Loved Before movies. 
Um, mm-hmm. In that I think they're, I think they do the the teen rom com thing really well, but I think they're also doing what modern movies do pretty well in that they're they're way more diverse than rom coms used to be, and actually comment on how not diverse older rom coms were. I think they to do a rom-com with continuity because everything has to be a franchise now, they actually make that kind of interesting where they have to, mm-hmm. they're kind of forced to make all the characters and the relationships a little more complicated. Um, so, so there's something, there's something about Netflix kind of taking over the rom-com genre that's actually making weird, interesting things come out of it, which is part of why the book is subtitled the rise again of the romantic comedy. I think we're, I think we're in an interesting era. I feel like, I feel like Shar and I have been watching. We watch a lot like, uh, you know, during the holiday break, we watched a bunch of, uh, Netflix rom-coms. I think primarily Netflix. There might have been some on other streamers. Um, And I'm trying to remember the names of them all because they're all fucking the same. Uh, They're all like puns based on Christmas shit. (laughs) But like, what was the one with Jimmy O. Yang uh, where he he like catfishes somebody? Oh, yeah, that one. Mm. Not not particularly great, but it does it did have like a really good take on the uh, "Baby It's Cold Outside" song, where they like fuck around with the lyrics uh, and like modernize it well. Uh, so even that was like okay. There's some interesting stuff going on here, even if I don't like the whole movie. Yeah, I mean, part of why I like the cinematic universe that we just spent a bunch of time breaking down is the writers are clearly doing whatever they can to mess around within this very established framework, and it's pretty fun to watch. Now, do you feel that they're like? Uh, I mean, I feel like with a lot of the Hallmark movies, and this I could be unfairly, uh, you know, uh, tarnishing them. I feel like a lot of Hallmark movies are very conservative in their viewpoint, at least in like structure or, you know, you have your two, you know, regular, you know, the the same kind of leads you're always used to seeing. Like she works at a magazine. He is an architect or some shit. Um, Do you see, I mean, do you feel like they're, they're pushing the boundaries on those at all with Netflix or I think, I think it's been true in general. Actually Hallmark is even getting better at that. We've actually, I mean, it's not at all uncommon that they'll do movies where both, you know, both people don't have to be white people in the couple or they've done same sex Hallmark movies and nobody, you know, nobody seems to have raised a giant protest out of it that I've seen at least. So, but I do think Netflix and Hulu are both better at pushing that faster. I mean, you know, Hulu had happiest season last year. Netflix oh, yeah. had single all the way this year. So, so I think there's the studios. You know, as usual, are a little slower to jump to this stuff. Although I think they're getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, what but, is it about Christmas that has made it such a big setting for romantic? Because com- I feel like if you watch old Christmas movies, they're family movies. Mm-hmm. A lot of them. They're not so much romantic movies. But now it feels like Christmas is all romance. Families. Stay out of the way. Jews, never welcome. No, thank you. <laughs> well, the, we but, were trying to but, find – Hallmark put out a – put out like a like a Jewish – like a couple that like is like a Jewish woman or a Jewish man, a Christian partner. Uh, and I couldn't we, – we kept trying to find what – you know, it has some name like Kosher Christmas or some shit. But we were looking for it, but we couldn't <laughs> find it. Uh, but, I, yeah, I was really looking forward to that. But – what is it like, Scott? What, why do you think Christmas is suddenly so romantic? Why not? Uh, why not? Uh, well, I'm trying to think of other holidays that could be equal. I mean, like, why not Halloween? Uh, which Valentine's is like, Day. Which you think? Or, well, Valentine's. Yeah why, yeah. why not Valentine's Day, which is about love? But like Halloween, you know, there's lots of stuff you can do with costumes and mistaken identity mm-hmm. and like things like that. Why? Why not? Why Christmas? Huh? I, I think why? you should write the screenplay. I think Halloween rom com is a legitimately great idea. I it's think. a great idea. Actually, yeah. I think Maybe Christmas I is the same. That. It's the same reason they do action movies at Christmas. It's a really easy way to add some texture to your background. That's a good point. It and it, it comes with a lot of assumptions that everybody already understands. Right. You know. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and I assume that I mean, like, it's the 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 
the calculus changes with streaming, I guess, where it's like these things aren't necessarily going to get become perennials. The value is that there's a new interchangeable one every year. But if you have it in your back catalog, you know, I, I imagine it's like, uh, you know, writing a Christmas song. You I'll know, also blame Love Actually. Pulling it out. I feel like mm. Love Actually is partially to blame. Yeah. That's a chapter in my book. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Not my favorite. Yeah. That's yeah. one I it's a movie that I've never I've never actually seen Love Actually and I feel like I it I feel like through my life I've seen it go from like a big hit movie to a movie that people like as a guilty pleasure to a classic movie to a movie people hate. Mm-hmm. And I and, and think is bad, and I've never seen it. And I, don't I mean, know. just look at the um, ca- guess, that's a stacked cast, Elliot. It's crazy. <laughs> it is a stacked cast, but like there, are, there are a lot of movies with amazing casts that are. It's the kind terrible. of cast that you could normally only get for like a Doctor Strange movie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's there's something. I mean, as as bad as it is that all all major filmmaking now seems to be about making big budget franchises. Uh, that have to make a billion dollars or else they're failures. There is something really fun about like how every big name actor, no matter how amazing they are, has to have that has to be in a movie at some point where they're talking about made up science fiction bullshit that doesn't matter that nobody <laughs> nobody cares about. There's something that, very like, English that, like, about that. It's like watching Dame Judi Dench be an air elemental in the Chronicles of Riddick. Like she's the, there. There must be the, the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts must have a a, a class now that's called like. Making making BS sound real, where yeah. they're like, okay, you're going to read this this paragraph before the class. Uh, this is all about, like, keeping two-dimensional barriers from colliding, which would create a, a, a synarchy of of uh, transmutational matrices. Yeah, you got to figure out a way to say it so it sounds like it's a real thing. <laughs> say it with your accent. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, is, uh, is Scott, is your book on shelves now? My book is on shelves on February 1st. February 1st, can you tell us the title again? Uh, it's called From Hollywood with Love, The Rise and Fall and Rise Again of the Romantic Comedy. On February 1st, plenty of time to buy it before yeah. Valentine's Day. Uh-huh. Published by HarperCollins. There's an audiobook version. If you if you buy one copy, hit me up and I'll send you a book plate on Twitter. Uh, if you buy 100 copies, I will grant you a boon. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> I like oh, this. a boon. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, can, where can people find you on Twitter then? I'm at Scott Meslow. That's M-E-S-L-O-W. Um, and you can also read me at GQ and at Vulture. And uh, do you, uh, Elliot or Dan, Elliot, you got a book coming out. Don't you want to plug your book real quick? Uh, my comic book, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, sure. It's a, it's yeah. a uh, book. Well, it's uh, two pages. It's pages between two covers. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, it's like uh, the Earl of Books said when he didn't want to finish his poker hand, but he wanted something to read. He said, just bring me some pages between two covers, <laughs> and I'll, I'll hold it in my hand. That's why they're called books now. Uh, yeah, well, the, the, there's new issues of Maniac of New York, The Bronx is Burning from Aftershock Comics by me and uh, the amazing artist Andre Moody. Uh, I'm always mispronouncing his name. Uh, issue two should be on shelves right now. It's a four-issue miniseries, the sequel to Maniac of New York, which is now out in trade, Maniac of New York, Volume 1, The Death Train. So... Pick up the trade, Maniac of New York, Volume 1, The Death Train, and then pick up the issues for Maniac of New York, The Bronx is Burning. Also, I have to say, you're at Harper. My books are from Harper, too. Ah. My children's books, Horse Meets Dog and Sharkwin Hippo from Balzer and Bray, a division of Harper Kids. That's right. It's the book house today. (laughs) And we're the book house boys. The book house boys. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Scott, thanks so much for joining us. I'm really glad we got to do this. Yeah, that was a blast, man. Thanks, guys. Normally, normally I just text with Scott about Elden Ring spoilers and Hitman details mm. uh, and various other uh, video game bullshit. So this is great. It's great oh, to have a, little, have a little Important. chat. We'll get right Someday, back to that. 
Yeah. Someday yeah. there'll be a rom-com video game. And uh-huh. then it's called Resident Evil 8, where I get to run away from a giant, beautiful <laughs> vampire lady. And every time she catches me, I'm like, oh, no. So it's like a Looney Tunes cartoon. She's like, a man. And she's chasing uh, I'm like, after you. I'm like, uh-oh, don't catch me. Whoops. Oh, no, <laughs> oh. I went the wrong way again. I can't believe you're opening this up on my way out the door. We could go for another hour right now. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this podcast is part of the Maximum Fun Network of Podcasts. Uh, a lot of great shows on there. Check them out. Uh, this episode has been uh, produced and edited by Alex Smith, who is very understanding for our late delivery. Um, I am one of the hosts. My name is Stuart Wellington. I own a couple of bars in Brooklyn called Hinterlands and Minis. You should check those shits out. And my co-hosts are... Dan McCoy. This is pretty much the one thing I got going on right now. So I I hope you keep listening. <laughs> 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 and Elliot Kalen, uh, see those aforementioned books, and I've got some other stuff coming up that I will talk about on a future Flophouse podcast episode. <laughs> Stay tuned. And our guest has been Scott Meslow. Bye. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.